0: In early June, the FDA granted accelerated approval to educanumab or Edahelm for the treatment of Alzheimer's disease. Whereas some clinicians, researchers, and patient advocates lauded the approval and the hope that it could provide to millions of patients with Alzheimer's, others expressed concern that the approval was premature and that the cost of educanumab could be enormous. I'm Stephen Morrissey, managing editor of the New England Journal of Medicine, and I'm talking with Gil Rabinovich, a professor of neurology at the University of California, San Francisco. Dr. Rabinovich has written a perspective article about the approval of aducanumab. Dr. Rabinovich, you write in your perspective article that aducanumab is the first drug approved for Alzheimer's treatment in nearly 20 years. So how does the drug work, and in what ways is it different from other approved Alzheimer's therapies?
1: Aducanumab is a humanized monoclonal antibody that targets amyloid beta fibrils, Alzheimer's disease is defined by its neuropathology, namely amyloid plaques and neurofibrillary tangles. The plaques are composed of aggregated amyloid beta and the tangles are composed of hyperphosphorylated tau. Aducanumab promotes the clearance, the immune mediated clearance of amyloid beta plaques and has quite a dramatic dose dependent effect on plaque clearance as measured by PET scans. So it is really the first drug that directly targets a core element of the molecular pathology of the disease. Until the approval of aducanumab, the only approved treatments for Alzheimer's disease were based on neurotransmitter effects, namely acetylcholinesterase inhibitors that reduce uh, the hydrolyzation of acetylcholine and so promote cholinergic transmission in the brain, and memantine, which is a drug that binds to NMDA receptors. So these approved drugs previously had treated the downstream sequelae in terms of neurotransmitter changes that occur in Alzheimer's, whereas this drug is directly targeting the molecular pathology of the disease.
0: Could you describe the findings of the phase three trials of aducanumab? How was Biogen able to file an application with the FDA, despite the fact that both of the trials were terminated early?
1: Yeah, it's really a remarkable story. So, this drug launched with a lot of fanfare based on a phase 1B study that showed a very dramatic removal of amyloid plaques on PET. The field had never seen an antibody that was this potent. And the company actually directly went from the phase 1B to two identically designed phase 3 placebo controlled randomized controlled trials. Now, in March of 2019, Both of these trials were terminated early based on a pre-specified pooled futility analysis that showed that there was very little likelihood that the trials in combination would meet their clinical endpoint, which was a slowing of reduction on a cognitive and functional scale called the clinical dementia rating sum of boxes. This is a scale that includes measures of both cognition and function for early stage patients with Alzheimer's disease. The pooled futility analysis was based on some assumptions regarding, most importantly, that the efficacy of the drugs would be similar in both trials. But after the announcement of early termination, as more data was analyzed, it actually became clear that the trials were not identical in their outcomes. One of the trials showed that in the high-dose adjucanumab group, there was a 22% relative slowing of cognitive and functional decline as measured by the scale I'll well I'll abbreviated as the CDR sum of boxes, whereas the other trials showed no effect for the high-dose drug compared to placebo. In both trials, patients who were randomized to receive low-dose antibody did not show a benefit compared to placebo. But the effect in the high-dose group in one of the two trials prompted the sponsor to apply with, to a Biologics license application to the FDA based on what they considered a single compelling trial for a disease which has devastating consequences and in which there really are very limited therapeutic options to date. And so seven months later, the company announced the additional analyses that showed potential benefit in one of the trials. And this is one of the most stunning turnarounds, I think, that we've seen certainly in the history of my field in clinical trials, going from an early termination based on a futility analysis to now one trial actually showing potentially a positive clinical benefit.
0: And the FDA approved the drug on a so-called accelerated pathway. How's that different from a normal regulatory pathway and what's the significance in this case? So this was
1: another very surprising twist because in November of 2020, the FDA convened its peripheral and central nervous system drugs advisory committee to review the data on Atricanumab, And that review was based on a normal approval pathway based on clinical efficacy. The committee quite resoundingly voted that the data in totality did not provide sufficient evidence of efficacy and they recommended against approval. On June 7th, 2021, the FDA announced that the drug had been approved under an alternative pathway, an accelerated approval, which is a pathway in which evidence of biomarker changes are sufficient for accelerated approval if those biomarker changes are deemed reasonably likely to predict clinical benefit. In the case of aducanumab, the biomarker in question were amyloid PET scans. In both of the phase three trials, there was a very clear and dramatic reduction of plaques a 64% reduction in one of the trials and a 54% reduction in the other compared to placebo. And the FDA then deemed that this reduction in plaque load was an appropriate surrogate biomarker which would be reasonably likely to predict clinical benefit. This was quite surprising to many of us in the field because to date, amyloid-based therapies had failed in multiple clinical trials to show a clinical benefit. And so it remains quite controversial whether lowering amyloid plaques, even to a significant degree, is in fact likely to predict a clinical benefit. But the context here is very important. Previous trials that had targeted amyloid, many of them had used very different mechanisms. They were enzyme inhibitors that prevented the initial synthesis of the amyloid beta-polypeptide, or antibody trials that were given at much lower doses and had lower potency. More recently, two other anti-amyloid-targeting monoclonal antibodies named Lecanemab and Donanemab, have shown very similar results to the positive aducanumab trial in the sense that in early stage clinical patients, a dramatic reduction of the amyloid as measured by PET did translate into a modest slowing of clinical decline. And so, It may be that the FDA considered the similar results within this class of potent amyloid targeting monoclonals as the most relevant evidence and therefore deemed that this biomarker signal was in fact reasonably likely to translate into a clinical benefit. Another important point about these antibodies is that they do seem to affect biomarkers that occur downstream of plaque accumulation namely the phosphorylation of spread of tau tangles. In the aducanumab trial, a small number of participants who received drug or placebo also received cerebrospinal fluid measurements of phosphorylated tau or PET scans that measure tau tangles. And in those subsets, there was an effect of amyloid lowering on a reduction in phosphorylated tau and CSF or a reduction in tau burden as measured by PET scans. And similarly, with two of the other antibodies, dananumab and lecanemab, there is a signal that lowering amyloid also impacts or slows tau-mediated changes. Now, tau tangles are much more closely associated with clinical outcomes than amyloid plaques. In clinical pathological studies of Alzheimer's disease, the stage of disease is very tightly linked to the tangles, but not to the plaques. And similarly, biomarker studies suggest that clinical and cognitive outcomes are very closely related to the distribution and burden of tau tangles, but much less so to amyloid plaques. So this additional evidence that lowering amyloid can actually slow the uh, spread of tau tangles provides additional, if not definitive, then at least supportive evidence that amyloid lowering can modify the course of the disease and may in fact translate into a clinical benefit.
0: So what are the next steps in this case for Biogen and for the FDA?
1: Well, this has generated a lot of controversy, far more drama than we've seen in Alzheimer's disease research, certainly during my career. And there remain questions about whether the close communication between the FDA and Biogen during the approval deliberation process included any inappropriate components The Office of the Inspector General is investigating this at the request of the FDA. And there are currently also two congressional committees that are investigating the relationships between FDA and Biogen during this approval pathway. So that is one uh, very important investigation, and we will have to see what these investigations reveal. The other big question, of course, is around reimbursements. The drug has been priced at $56,000 per year. This is a very high price, especially when you consider the prevalence of early stage Alzheimer's disease. And Medicare is currently conducting a national coverage analysis to determine whether they will reimburse the drug. And several other private insurers and health systems are also reviewing the reimbursement component. The concern, of course, is that if there is no reimbursement, then very few patients will be able to access this very expensive drug, including patients who may benefit. Finally, another really important next step is defining the patients who may benefit from the drug and ensuring that the drug is used in appropriate populations, and importantly, that it is not used in patients in whom a risk-benefit analysis may not favor treatment. So very recently, a group led by Jeff Cummings published appropriate use recommendations for aducanumab that largely mirror the inclusion and exclusion criteria that were included in the clinical trials. First and foremost, they identify, and this has actually the FDA label has been revised to reflect this, only patients who are in early clinical stages of the disease should be considered for treatment. This includes patients who have mild cognitive impairment or in mild stages of dementia. So patients who have objectively confirmed cognitive impairment, but who are still largely independent with their day-to-day function. These are the patients that were studied in the clinical trials. And so if the drug does have a benefit, it would be largely limited to this early clinical stage. And the biology of the disease also supports this. It seems that amyloid plaques play an important role in the early promotion of the spread of tau, but in later disease stages, amyloid reduction may not in fact slow tau spread and therefore would be less likely to show a clinical benefit. Another important point is that patients should have confirmation of amyloid plaques in their brain. And this can be ascertained either with cerebrospinal fluid measurements of amyloid beta and phospho tau, or with amyloid PET scans. In the trial, amyloid PET scans were required for inclusion. It's very important that patients be screened for exclusion criteria. A very important exclusion criteria would be ongoing treatment with anticoagulants. About 40% of patients who received high dose drug in the trials experienced edema or microhemorrhages in the brain, a phenomenon known as amyloid-related imaging abnormalities or aria. And especially the hemorrhages are more likely in patients who are on anticoagulation. So these patients were excluded from the trials. Patients who have other unstable systemic illnesses or signs of other neurodegenerative diseases should not be treated. And patients who are in later stages of dementia due to Alzheimer's disease should not be treated because they were not included in the trials and because it is much less likely that they would benefit. Similarly, people who have evidence of amyloid plaques in their brain, but don't have clinical symptoms of cognitive decline should not be treated. This is a condition known as preclinical Alzheimer's disease, where people show biomarker changes, suggesting that some of the molecular changes of Alzheimer's may be occurring in their brain, but they don't yet have any memory loss or clinical symptoms. There are currently clinical trials for amyloid-lowering antibodies and other therapeutic approaches in preclinical Alzheimer's, but these participants were not studied in the clinical trials, and at this point, it would not be appropriate to treat these individuals clinically.
0: Finally, what effect do you think this case is going to have on drug development for Alzheimer's disease in general, and also on the ways in which the FDA evaluates new Alzheimer's therapies?
1: I think the jury is still out because as we're recording this podcast, there are still a lot of questions about uh, reimbursement, about the uh, approval process. And so we'll have to wait and see how all of this plays out. I do think though that this approval will herald a new era in Alzheimer's disease treatment where we are looking at early detection of disease confirming the presence of the pathophysiology of the disease using biomarkers. This would really be revolutionary to consider biomarkers in establishing the clinical diagnosis of Alzheimer's, which to now is really, in most cases, only validated using clinical measures, which we know have limited accuracy compared to neuropathology. And I think about a lot of other diseases that were once considered incurable, such as multiple sclerosis in my field of neurology, HIV, many cancers. I think about the first in class drugs that were approved for some of these diseases, which had limited efficacy, which is probably the best case scenario for aducanumab and had some concerning toxicities. And yet opening the door a little bit, getting that first drug in class Led in many instances to much better, more effective, and less toxic drugs, cocktail approaches as we use to treat HIV that have made a real profound impact on the life of individuals who suffer from these diseases. And I think aducanumab may well be that first little opening of the door for modifying the molecular course of Alzheimer's disease. And I think we'll look back at this approval, as rocky as it has been as heralding a new era. And so I am in the longer run optimistic that these approaches with biologically tailored therapies and biological selection of patients will translate ultimately into much more effective therapies for the many millions of Americans who are suffering from Alzheimer's and other neurodegenerative dementias.
0: Thank you, Dr. Rabinovich.